Welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series, novels, and films. For this episode, our story is full of song about a family proud and strong, and the girl who just doesn't belong. That's right, we're talking Disney's Encanto. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Ford, joined as always by Joel Killingsworth. Hello. And Andrew Knuckles. Hola. I told you I was going <laughs> to shoot you a curveball. <laughs> The hesitation there from a way. It was like, I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. All right, guys. Well, before we dive down into the magical world of Encanto, we. uh, It was quite magical. Very, very much so magic. Très magnifique. Anyways. (laughs) French, sir. Whatever. Anyways, we are going to have a little discussion here, maybe a little chat about some favorite movie. Well, actually, I shouldn't say movies, media. Books don't count for this. But yeah, you definitely <laughs> okay. cannot. I mean, I guess you could if you oh, want to. We're going to break up the Silmarillion. <laughs> yeah, are we, are we just going to start singing Elvin songs? Yeah. Could that be counted as a musical? So so Andrew's tipping the hand here, but we're going to talk about favorite musical. And I guess I'll give it to Andrew. Nope, for, not nope. me first. Oh, no, no. Oh, I've been denied. I'm going to put this out to Joel first. Okay. Am I allowed to do like one of those greeting cards that when you open it, it starts playing a song? Is that, is that. Oh, as a musical? musical? Is that what you're trying to pass <laughs> off? Is that no. your book? So, so um, what I'm bringing to the table is the theatrical production of The Lion King. Okay. Um, I have uh, gone to see it twice. And um, once when it uh, came to Atlanta, when I was in grade school, and then um, more recently when it came to Birmingham. Mm -hmm. And it is just a fantastic experience of getting to see the way that the artists and and puppeteers and creators have brought all of the puppetry in the costumes to Mm -hmm. life for all of the animals. and you get to to relive your favorite Disney movie or, you know, maybe not your favorite Disney movie, but uh, favorite Disney your movie. favorite Disney movie. <laughs> definitely, for sure. definitely Steven's favorite. Um, and, and it, and it just gets enhanced by getting to witness the artistry that is the stage production. Right. Yeah. No, it's the costumes are something else. Yeah. In that. Yeah. That's that is one theatrical production that I'm sad that I haven't been able to actually see yet. Mm hmm. Yeah, that uh, that's something I really want to see as well. I haven't, I've not gotten, I've seen a fair number of things, but that is one that is yeah out there still. Mm-hmm. All right, so obviously I can't go to Andrew. I no, you can go back to me now. I just <laughs> had to make sure that it was I, I had the right year for the um, for the production. Okay, that's great. I'm not going to Andrew. I'm going to myself. <laughs> so my entry for musical because Andrew. Uh, put up put up a roadblock and said you can't do this one. I'm doing. It. I said, well, that's fine. I wasn't doing it anyways. I was gonna do this one. Well, he he was in the top two. It was. That's fine. I'm not doing it. I'm doing this. One. <laughs> Are you gonna pick Lion King? No. God. <laughs> <laughs> the, the CGI Lion King. No. Oh, God. No. So my musical is Newsies. Okay. You know, I don't know. If I've never heard of that. Okay. I, I've seen it a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, I saw it in theaters, and so this this is a movie that did. It was not a success. It was a critical, is slammed critically. Like we literally were kids with me and my sister and my mom. We're the only person in the theater on oh, the like wow. opening day of this movie. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. It was also, you learn real quick, hey, when no one else is in the theater, it's cold. <laughs> uh, but it is a very much so a kid power movie. So it is focused around. Uh, like high school musical? No. So the all all of your children here. So this is turn of the century New York. Okay. So rough and tumble, these are all kids, almost all the kids are orphans or abandoned, et cetera. 
and they sell the newspapers. So they're the kids on the side of the block with a stack of papers. Hey, you know, okay. head extra, extra, yeah, Hindenburg yeah. Burns, you know, this kind of stuff, right? And, <laughs> and it has a big name cast. It, it, it don't, stars. Don't, don't, don't take my fire. All right. But you better, you better bring the fire. I got the fire. Oh, I got a, I I got a like fact. Hindenburg's burning I got down, a like... fact about your fire too. But basically the, uh, the newspaper, the monopolies, right? And I can't think of, it's not Rockefeller, but it's a big, mm-hmm. you know, barren name yeah. from back then. Uh, they kind of wedge the newsboys out. They cut the amount of money that they're going to make and they go on strike. Yeah. And it, so it's the kids rebel, okay. but it's, it's musical. It, they have choreographic dance numbers, all this other stuff. It's, it's pretty well done. And so the headliner cast, who at the time was not a big name, but it is now the, the lead is Christian Bale. Oh, wow. And he tried out for this role and got the role without knowing it was a musical. <laughs> so then he found out, oh, it's a musical. And I have a whole singing number of my own. Oh, wow. That's like yeah. his, his want song. Mm-hmm. So he had this massive crash course of several weeks of, I have to learn how to sing. <laughs> and he was, he was 18 at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, and it's, I mean, for me, it's going to be special just because I was a kid. It was, you know, kid power. Yeah. You know, this is like what the kids can do. They band together. It has mm-hmm. these really great mo- moments when, you know, the kids are, uh, you know, pushing back against the adults. And uh, Christian Bale plays kind of the, the cool kid. He knows it all, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And you're, you're really following another kid who is selling papers to help support his family because his dad is ill or has been uh, injured. Of course, because, right? you know, that's, that's turn of the century, like, checkbox right there. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, no. It's, it's all of the – and all your, you know, your characters all – they don't really get names. They're just nicknames. So you have Crutchy because he's on crutches. And you have, you know, <laughs> all this. But it's just – overall, it's, it's really great. And it's really well done. Yeah. Joel, so did, why, why was it panned by critics? I don't really know. I don't really care. You know, just, they just didn't like <laughs> it, it at the time. Like, yeah, well, I mean, it, it may have just been, oh, well, it's a musical about, you know, the horrible living conditions in New York. I Why mean, would the, anyone want to know about that? You yeah, know, I, I mean, kind you of never know. Yeah. And... Joel, did you have something to add to the, the cast? Uh, just that um, the other big names that were in it were Bill Pullman yep. and Robert Duvall. Yeah, okay. so, so Bill so. Pullman is the reporter who is kind of reporting on the strike. And so Robert Duvall is the bad guy, right? I'm, um, I'm assuming that he'd actually, be... I don't, I don't. I assume I don't so. Maybe, okay. Yeah, I can't. It's so long. It's been a while since I've well, tried college. If, so I've seen it. If Christian Bale was eighteen, or, or like he was young at the time, Robert Duvall would still be relatively older. So and you can always make up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it's Bill Pullman is kind of documenting this because obviously they're trying to stop the news in New York, but news is ongoing elsewhere in the world, and they're mm-hmm. trying to garner support and this kind of stuff. Gotcha. It's I mean, it's honestly it's a great movie. Hmm. I'll have to put that on my list. Yeah. Of, of things. Well, you watch. like musicals as we're about I, to go I into. I love musicals. Yeah. So Andrew? Uh, so I picked the 2001 Moulin Rouge. Yeah. With good choice. Ian McGregor and Nicole Kidman. It is one of those. So it's a, it's a jukebox musical, meaning that all of the music in the film is uh, taken from, from other artists mm-hmm. and then kind of like mash, mashed together into, you know, kind of whatever they, they wanted to make it. So, you, uh, one of the one of the bigger pieces of the film, which is kind of like the villain song, essentially for um, for Monsieur Ziegler. Ziegler? No. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 Wait, anyways, um, the, the bad villain. guy. Yeah, the villain. And uh, it's Madonna's like a virgin, but it's him singing it okay. instead of instead of her singing it. So there, there's always there's a lot of. Um, kind of mixtures of, of different genres. Like they have uh, uh, the Beatles, Paul McCartney, uh, Queen, uh, 
the police, like all sorts of like really fun music, but it's all sung by Ewan McGregor, which is he's just a total dreamboat in the movie. Mm. Then you then you Andrew's have true celebrity crush. Oh man, Ian McGregor. <laughs> like he just doesn't age either. Like like all he does is he just gets a beard. You know, at like so he ages like fine wine. Yeah. <laughs> but then then you have Nicole Kidman, who's also one of my other my other favorite actresses, mm-hmm. and uh, she her vo- her singing voice especially because it, it's a tragedy, um, and I'm not going to give away as all the, great the, tales as all yeah. But the 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 whole setting is uh, it is essentially turn of the century France oh, with the, the Bohemian revolution, which, uh, which is like free thinking, uh, artistry and everything. And it takes place at the, at a, um, basically a, a can-can dancer mm-hmm. establishment. And the, the main character, Satine, she wants to become an actress and kind of leave this, this kind of seedy life of, of being a courtesan and, the the transformation of trying to turn the Moulin Rouge, which is the location, into a theater instead mm-hmm. of uh, just kind of like this, you know, CD dance bar. Yeah. And uh, Ian McGregor is the main character. He is the writer for the play that they're trying to do. And it's kind of like a uh, they have to hide their relationship from the benefactor, which is the villain. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's honestly just a fantastic. All the music's really fun. And uh, the visuals at the time were were pretty. Um, pretty cool. And one of the other reasons why I picked this because John Leguizamo is Toulouse Lautrec in Moulin oh, Rouge. He is. And then he's also Bruno in Encanto. Ooh, got the tie in. Yep. Christian Bale was not in Encanto. He was definitely not in Encanto. Uh, and, and the fun thing there is there were too, animals in Encanto yes. and they made noises during songs. Yep. Uh, <laughs> That's so, my tie uh, well, in. Those weren't animals. That was Alan Tudyk. Uh, John, um, <laughs> the, the fun thing is too. So, uh, Encanto takes place in Colombia, and John Leguizamo is Colombian. I, I actually not not every not every one from the cast is, is. from Colombia. However, they are all Latino. Yeah, there was there was definitely a strong effort on that. Yes, yeah. very strong. So, speaking of that, as a nice segue, into, I, I do what I can. Yes, coming through in the clutch there, into our actual meat of the discussion. So, as is per tradition, Joel is there for us with a bad synopsis. Okay, so talking about this has been kind of good lately. Synopsis. If you lower expectations, the result will be better. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. So bad, bad synopsis for Encanto. So you have an isolated, idyllic mountain village in the 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 wilds of Colombia. The jungle. And uh, you have this one family. Uh, that kind of serves as kind of the 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 center of life in this village, mm-hmm. and they have a magical house, which um, gifts them each a special magical ability. What's well, a candle? It's not the it's, house. It's the candle. The, the candle empowers the house. Which yeah. house as character is is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Um, it's also probably Alan Tudyk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so the main character. Uh, you quickly discover uh, upon her um, gifting ceremony, she was seemingly rejected by the magic and she did not receive a gift Mm -hmm. or a special room of her own. And so she continues to live in the nursery where the little kids stay. So that's, that's kind of a symbol of her being less than than the rest of the family. Until the little children graduate to have an ability. Yeah. So so she's basically the, the, 
the older older sister that is help you know taking care of the kids. Yeah, she, she kind of Cinderella. And then yeah, a little and bit. then her younger cousin. Um, we pick up with his gifting day, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of tension. And he goes through, and, and during his ceremony, she sees um a vision of the house starting to crack and come apart. And uh, she's actually minorly injured by by some of the the clattering debris. And she comes to the rest of the family and says, we've got to do something. The house is coming apart. And when they go to inspect, there's they don't see any any problem. It's it's been repaired. And uh, so there's a lot of then she has to figure out, well, what's really going on while the family doesn't believe her and thinks just like she's trying to mess with the kids time in the sun because she didn't get any right and and so from there on we get to explore uh, a really fantastic evaluation of interpersonal relationships and conflicts uh, within a family and this is a really fantastic story that disney has has attempted a few times and this one really pulled it off where there is not a villain Mm-hmm. And or not a true died in the wool villain. And well, I mean, there there is an antagonist, but, but there is there is no villain. Yeah, the, no, no one committed the, the, to yeah. evil. The, yeah, there's there's no there's no ill intention beyond the um, essentially pride. Yeah. Right. So this is this is a a true relationship story where if if basically if you don't cry during this film, <laughs> either you had a perfect family life. Or you're a monster. <laughs> well, I just feel incredibly cold. Now. <laughs> wow. No, like if if you are if you're not prone to crying, then you get a pass. It's I fine. Uh, Joel but and I are very prone we, to crying. We were, we're just bawling, just yep. bawling. This is <laughs> right right on each other's shoulders. Really <laughs> gorgeous. Tears flowing. Different homes, <laughs> far apart, miles apart. Come on now. <laughs> uh, but but there you go. Okay. Yeah. Well, on that note. What was our composite score? Well, our composite score for this was an 8.7. That's very high. And that was under um, complaint, under under duress, under protest. Under protest. Joel uh, brought it down. I brought it down. Yes. But yes, I enjoyed did. it immensely. It has nothing to do with how much I enjoyed it. So no, I, I, that's, that's and, totally fine. And just, just for reference, so that is based on our four pillars of review for a film or TV series, which would be spectacle. So how it looks. How it feels. How it feels, the emotions, which is going to be a big factor here. Uh, the performance of the cast, the actors, et cetera. And, the, and in this case, since it was animated, the, the animators. Yeah. How, how well you know, that go, that flows with the, what's going on on screen. Yeah. How well the, the it, vocal it, yeah. and animation matches. Uh, score, so the music, mm-hmm. and how well it complements or detracts. And then, of course, the plot, which is the plot. The plot, yeah. All right. Well, on that note, maybe some first impressions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, Andrew jumped in, so go yeah, for it. Uh, yeah, okay. So whenever I saw this uh, preview, I, I mean, months ago, I was actually really excited for it. And then whenever it came out, I think I was just so busy with other stuff watching for the podcast that I kind of forgot about it. Mm. And not a lot of people really talked about it initially. And then I think like it gave about like three weeks of time. And then everyone kind of finally caught on mm-hmm. that yeah. this was a movie that you needed to watch. And Holly and I watched just a little behind the scenes of them creating some of the music for the film and some of the the research that went behind it and just kind of how much effort they they put into a lot of to making it very um, 
uh, honorable to like the Colombian roots that that right. a lot of the music is uh, based from. Mm. And so I was like, okay, well, we just have to watch this now. And they didn't come in and pull an avatar and pull from all these authentic things. <laughs> things and that just it. not, yeah, not yeah. use it. So then we watched it and I really enjoyed it a lot. And, you know, so then I was like, hey, we probably need to actually review this. Mm-hmm. This was, this was really good. I'd probably say it's one of the, one of the better modern 3D animated Disney films that have come out probably within you know the past decade. I, I would say in, in the genre where it sits, which is kind of, um, it, it's, it's almost like they're creating films targeted at children that are not only good stories, but they also model, this is what relationships are like. Mm-hmm. This is, these are, these are signs of, of, of damaged relationships and here's how it can be fixed, mm-hmm. right? So it has a really positive message and it addresses real problems that unless you are taught, you don't really have the tools to fix on your own. Yeah. Well, and the one thing that I really liked about the film itself, just the kind of the whole resolution of it was, and, you know, whenever we're whenever we're looking at a film objectively for reviewing on the podcast, you know, we look at plot and that's always the one you can punch all the yeah, holes yeah. for. and a lot of times, you know, you you see like, oh, well, if someone would have just communicated something at the beginning of the film, then there wouldn't be a conflict, essentially. Yeah. And that is this is not that kind of film where everyone had to go through, especially Mirabelle and Abuela, to go through this experience for them to accept each other as who they are. And, and like back to your point where this is like the best Disney thing. And, and I, I think in order to find another animated film to put up to this in kind of the same mm-hmm. vein, you'd have to go over to, to Pixar, Pixar for, um, uh, particularly, particularly inside out. Yeah. Yeah. In, inside out. is a really good yeah. one for, cause it has a similar kind of like relationship. Yeah. Feel. Yeah. Onward. On, on, onward. On, onward is, it's an adventure, but it's all about the relationships yeah. within that adventure. Are the other thoughts besides me just talking? I don't know. I, I quite enjoyed listening to you talk and just sitting <laughs> and doing nothing. It was nice. <laughs> Anyways, opinions. So, uh, you know, it's another kind of similar deal where for me, it flew under the radar. I didn't notice it. Uh, Lauren, I don't know. I just didn't get advertised. It never just didn't hit. Maybe it's an mm-hmm. issue with targeted advertising where it just doesn't see me. <laughs> uh, Lauren was all about it, though. We actually watched it uh, New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. So that was that was quite a while back. Uh, initial watching was good. I wouldn't say that it was like, oh, it was the most phenomenal thing ever. But, you know, we were also, it was New Year's Eve. We were kind of partying. So it yeah. wasn't the most uh, focused. Party intensive. Yeah, the most the most focused atmosphere. Uh, <laughs> but it was good. And then on second watching, it, I think it really hits. You have mm-hmm. a chance to, you don't have to be as focused on the animation or necessarily. Like what's kind of happening. The storyline itself. And you can really focus on the emotions. And that one was hard in the certain sense of it's hard not to cry um <laughs> but she didn't say so, I, I didn't because of weird faults or flaws within myself and that's okay <laughs> but it's okay not to cry it's fine it's okay it's okay to cry it's also okay not to it's just okay <laughs> everything is okay <laughs> but overall you know i thought it was really great you know it's very very a very small scope film in terms of this is not saving the world yeah. there is no we're going to go punch the asteroid or you know there's none of nothing like that it's very very tight knit tightly focused emotional story and that's for me maybe 
uh, you know, maybe I'm a monster for not putting it in my Disney top five. I, I really actually <laughs> just totally etched it out because I didn't want to lean into recency bias. Yeah. Because I felt that was a little unfair. But also it's one of those movies that might be hard for me to rewatch a lot mm-hmm. just because so much of it relies on emotion. Yeah. So, Joel? Well, I, I, I feel like I've already said a lot. Like it's, it's, I <laughs> speak to I'm, me. I'm just going to reiterate then. Go for it. It is, it is really wonderful to see this kind of film be executed so well and have such an uplifting message. It has right? a lot of heart. And, oh, yeah. and, and like the, like you were talking about the stakes in this film are not, it, nobody, nobody's in danger of their life. No, at any time. Really. Like, well, I mean, there, there's one, there's one point where, where there's a like little, little, little bit of danger. Bit of danger. Well, it's a little absurd though. It's not. Yeah. But anyways, well, that's a spoiler wall issue. We'll get in there. But what is at stake is familial relationships. Mm-hmm. And the whole time the main character is is going about this quest that she has. And, and almost unwittingly, she is bumping up against the real conflicts, which have to do with the unspoken uh, pressures and resentments mm-hmm. within the family life that that has been constructed in this place, and and those kind of being brought to, to light and then being discussed and being understood and being accepted mm-hmm. is the journey of the film, and it's just absolutely phenomenal. Well, it's it's a very tight knit community. Mm-hmm. It's a very small area, right? It's all enclosed in by the mountains, by the magic, and so it's a very natural pressure cooker environment where the small things can build and build and build, right? Mm-hmm. So on that note, as we enter the intermission, if you can't handle the pressure of spoilers, we understand. But if you like what you've heard so far, you can help us bear the load at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. If you're ready to hear more, welcome to the family. And now that we are well and truly past the intermission, hope you enjoyed your little break. It is all spoilers all the time from here on <laughs> out. And we are going to kick it off here, do a little breakdown on how we arrived at our score. So first up is Spectacle. And I'm going to give this to myself because I deserve it. Do, do, whatever, <laughs> do whatever you want, man. Uh, so I gave it a nine because the animation is gorgeous. They developed a lot of technology or a lot of effort into things like Mirabelle's skirt and the ruffles involved. Yeah, Yeah, the movement that it has is great. Uh, They actually kind of just show off in moments uh, the rats. I don't know if you noticed, but when they're they're in there with Bruno and he's doing like, oh, you can watch a novella or this or that, Mm -hmm. the rats look realistic. And it was a little almost like you don't fit in an animated movie. You you went too (laughs) far, guys. Uh, They never asked if they could or they should. They just did, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Your scientists were too busy asking if they could. They didn't ask if they should. There we go. We'll get the line out. Uh, Or like the wind and rain effect when they're starting into, you don't talk about Bruno Mm -hmm. with the wedding. Like that effect was just, phenomenal uh lighting effects especially when we hit mirabelle's want song yeah and 
time kind of freezes and you have the the old timey uh it's like is it sulfur the camera flash uh, yeah yeah it's i don't think it's sulfur. Uh, magnesium magnesium yes the big camera flash which in a film you know oh we just shot this in slow-mo in an animation i put every single frame of the light glowing and retracting <laughs> into this yeah and same thing when she's going in the steps and the sparklers as the kids are running with the trail and the way the light effects play off of different elements in the setting mm-hmm. uh the house was amazing yeah you know, it, it, the, it was a really yeah. good character of its own yeah it casita its own little living breathing piece of the family mm-hmm. uh it just there's a lot of really great things to say i mean obviously i gave it a nine right yeah uh, i don't want to take everything so i'm gonna hand this off to andrew uh so i gave it a 10 oh okay uh, well this is um i honestly this is better than a lot of pixar films yes like, like yes. not even like from like you know like oh toy story you, you, yeah, yeah you, you can't, can't you can't yeah. compare it like even just like the modern like mm-hmm. if you look at uh like Incredibles 2, which is relatively recent. Like this is like so far and above. And, it, you know, it, it's always been kind of the the idea with like Pixar is like, that's the animation studio. And then mm-hmm. Disney also makes their own films. But it, they're they're kind of like closing the gap yeah. with with their production values. Well, and I think some of it, too, is when you look at something Oh, no, no, that's also Disney. Shoot, my comparison doesn't work. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, but but with Moana, you may not mm-hmm. see the improvement because a lot of times it's the ocean. And yeah. animating the ocean in 3D is hard. Water mm-hmm. is hard. But like it's it's a lighter blue above a darker blue. Whereas this, you get all the colors, yeah, the vibrancy, yeah. et cetera. So the, uh, you kind of mentioned it earlier, but the animation that they put into the characters is just so far and above anything that I've seen them do. Like, so, you know, like everyone always has their own dance, dance numbers and, you know, they, they're, they're always well animated. Like mm-hmm. there's never been a, a Disney film that I've seen in recent years that I was like, oh, I just didn't really like the, their movement didn't make sense to me. But this, especially during the musical numbers where Mirabelle is interacting with other members of her family where like they're all kind of dancing together mm-hmm. is just fantastic. They, they, they flow a lot better. Yeah, and it, it really fits the, um, just the style that they were kind of going for with, uh, with you know, kind of like the salsa and um, the, just the Latino music that is really vibrant mm-hmm. is the best way to describe it. Yeah, the colors pop while mm-hmm. the music pops, while the movement pops. Yeah. And two of those fit in spectacle and one of them goes somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> well in, uh, probably my favorite musical number out of the whole film was um, which we'll talk about with the music section. We'll, we'll, we'll talk well no but, <laughs> but the there's, there's a visual element yeah was the what else can i do which is whenever isabella and mirabelle are are kind of like reconciling yeah and it is you know flowers always have like you know the really poppy colors and everything but then she finally isabel kind of realizes that she can create cactuses and in desert other plants other plants, other plants yeah. and the whole experience of her kind of like figuring this out while they're you know going through this musical number is just so visually appealing especially whenever they start kind of throwing throwing around like the powder of the colors Mm -hmm. and everything and it's they're they're going through it and they're landing on their clothes Mm -hmm. and it's it's just such a fantastic sequence that and it's a great song too but we'll we'll get to that in a bit It, it was just oh man i i loved it yeah I gave um, it a. See if I can find where I put it. I gave it a nine. Oh, okay. <laughs> Starting to become I, I was, I was like, like, how small oh, is this no. number? Yeah, <laughs> I wrote it so small. I was very ashamed, very angry I, about it. <laughs> uh, but no, I I thought that you know just to to 
follow up with what you were talking about with the colors and particularly that scene with with the plants and stuff mm-hmm. i thought that the the representation of the the idyllic mountain village mm-hmm. was uh really really fantastically created mm-hmm. and you know it, it created this incredible backdrop to the story and the characters and everything that was yeah. going on um and then on top of that i thought the the most impressive thing to me or at least the most eye catching thing um from the animation was the motion uh particularly the 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 camera motion during the the uh, the musical numbers yeah because they they're taking the same style and they they did this uh before with luca where was luca pixar luca was disney wasn't it Ooh, i think uh, luca I think was think pixar, pixar. Okay. i'm gonna double check that okay. carry on well then anyway regard- they learned from pixar. Re- regardless of which studio did luca mm-hmm. um it's it's a you know recent trend but but what they did during um luca when the main character is daydreaming essentially mm-hmm. is is describing how things are going to be the way that he sees yeah. things and uh is that they they completely animated full scenes in very fanciful manner of and and it is the future as seen by a child yeah and that's what you get to see on screen yeah Luca and, is pixar okay and what they did the exact same thing from the perspective of of these you know more aged up characters uh during all of the musical numbers is that the the musical numbers what the the animated sequences which occurred within them are not a depiction of what actually occurred yeah. in that moment it is a depiction of the emotional state of the characters as they are going through mm-hmm. whatever emotions they're singing about yeah and so that was like the motion of that which they used to to really great effect um and then also just the 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 overarching effect of of following the characters on these fanciful journeys the, of self-discovery during yeah. the, the well the the transitions that they use especially in the um the pressure song for uh louisa mm-hmm. is just like every every single scene that they're in changes into something you know like it, it it's seamless mm-hmm. every single time mm-hmm. and it always it obviously fits the lyrics that are happening but it also you know it just it, ah, i don't know it's just good. It's just good. Yeah, yeah it's just good. <laughs> no, the the surface pressure song was a, was a standout musically. We'll get to that. Yep. But also for the animation that's going on around it, and they kind of got to show off because again, we were in a small space for a story. Yeah. Very small scale here with it being within their head because the Isabella song really is mostly happening in the physical in, world. Yeah. In the, in the whereas Luisa's song is very obviously not. Yeah. There's a lot of things happening that that just can't. And I think that was a greater kind of a greater visual metaphor for what the pressure she is under, mm-hmm. uh, which was really impressive. Just just that kind of visual storytelling as a element of spectacle was just very impressive. Just yeah, throughout, I a little little elements dipped in. I don't know. It's it's been a meme or like a gif people have lifted out and thrown around. But in the uh, we don't talk about Bruno song, yeah, mm-hmm. where when she's with Dolores singing, Bruno's actually in the background. Mm-hmm. And he's he's just the 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 shape of a dark cloak with two green glowing eyes, but he's dancing to the beat. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I like that because as you know, as the story progresses, you, he's still part of the family. He still loves his family, and it's him kind of still participating in the song because mm-hmm. the whole family participates in the song. Yeah, yeah, including Bruno, including Bruno, yeah. even though they're not supposed to talk about him. Yeah, don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, I think we're ready to move into some performances. Yep. I'm going to give this to Joel. Cool. 
So I gave performance an eight. Okay. Um, I thought that largely the cast did a phenomenal job hitting home the emotional beats that were required by the story. And, you know, every single character, well, each of the main Mirabelle's sisters Mm -hmm. and then uh, her grandmother, Abuela, is those are the the primary relationships that Mm -hmm. that she's dealing with. And in in each of the sort of not not necessarily confrontation scenes, but the heart to heart scenes Mm -hmm. with each of those relationships, everyone involved just did a phenomenal job in really bringing home not only enough to make you understand what the conflict is in that relationship, um, but also to sell the resolution to that conflict. And so that was just phenomenal there. I thought that the, the rest of the cast ended up being kind of one dimensional. They were essentially defined by whatever the magical power Mm -hmm. that the character had was. And other than that, they were a bit flat. Um, So Uh, that, in particular, sorry, uh, in particular, um, her or Mirabelle's father was was a little. Well, he has no little, powers. Yeah. To define well, he doesn't have any powers to define. But well, but but just like whenever he was kind of like talking or just in in a scene, like he didn't really do anything. Well, see, well, well, it was I, very, it was very sorry. specific that he just did whatever his wife did, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? But, like he had his own idea, and then his wife would say something different, and then he would align himself to agree mm-hmm. with her. Well, I actually thought that that was fun and interesting mm-hmm. because for uh augustine i think is his name augustine uh, yeah and felix the other husband who is married into the family they have no powers mm-hmm. so in a sense they are part of the family they have or they are in the same situation as mirabel they didn't have the opportunity to get powers but they they have the same issue of they don't have anything mm-hmm. and they're kind of finding their own place and for him for augustine his place is trying to be the father and his way of fitting in, right, is he mirrors uh, Mirabelle's mother, mm-hmm. his wife. And obviously he also relies heavily upon her abilities since he has as a strange power to attract bees. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would maintain he has a power because animals it's just love good him. Power. No, animals throughout the show, animals love him. Yeah. Uh, the animals that come for Antonio are all, they all hang out with him as well mm-hmm. and like follow him around too. It's like, are they all trying to like subtly say that there is a power here? I don't understand what's going on. Or <laughs> mm-hmm. he's just, he's just unfortunate because they won't leave him alone. I don't know, whatever. Uh, but I, I did kind of like it because he's, you know, he's trying to be the good dad. Uh, Felix kind of the same thing, same play of. I, I thought Felix actually was a great character. Yeah. I mean, well, he's, he is a more uh, vibrant personality. Yeah. Than uh, Mirabelle's father was. And I like the interplay within the, you know, we don't talk about Bruno's song where, where Peppa has the, am I singing this or are you? Yeah. Like, oh, so sorry. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but they're, they're kind of dipping in and out. We'll, we'll get into that. That's later. That's later. Uh, I guess I just kind of jumped in and took the reins. Andrew, do you want to crack at this? Now that I've denied Joel his, the rest of his talk. <laughs> I'm done. I'm oh, done. It's Joel's fine. done. It's fine. No, I, it's good so I, I, I'm kind of on the same level. I gave it a nine. Okay. Uh, just every especially the scenes with uh, Abuela and Mirabel, whenever they're having their, their essentially climactic conflict after the, the musical number with her sister. And, you know, she's, she's clearly, Abuela is mad that, you know, she's still kind of like poking her nose into things mm-hmm. that probably doesn't need to happen. And she, they, they have this really big conflict. And then obviously the house kind of like crumbles uh, because the, the candle's power is fading because, you know, everyone is, is at uh, ends with each other. And the, the range that you can get out of both of them 
mm-hmm. whenever they're having this kind of experience, especially whenever Mirabelle uh, just, you know, finally tells, you know, kind of what, it, what everyone else was feeling. It's like, no one's ever going to be good mm-hmm. enough for you, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and that really like, that just, just right in the heart, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if, you know, she was any less of an actress, um, Stephanie, Stephanie Beatrice, Beatrice uh, you know, like it, I, it just wouldn't have carried over as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, everyone else did really good for the main cast. Uh, Isabella, I think, did a really good job being this, you know, hoity-toity. She's um, a mean girl. Yeah. yeah. So and I, I, I looked up. Um, so she is supposed to be around 21 ish. OK. And then Louisa is about uh, 19. Okay. Um, around that age, because Isabel is the oldest, then Louisa, and then Mirabel is fifteen. Okay, um, which is uh, pretty classic age range yeah. for your main character in this kind of story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which and it, and it makes sense too, because obviously the uh, I don't have any siblings, but um, I know a lot of people that do, and it's if you have three kids, the the oldest and the youngest generally don't get along very well, but then the middle child is kind of like the one that that makes the peace. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't, don't look at me. It is it is wildly variable. Joel's experience is a much larger experience. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, this this I'll say that's a trope. Yeah, it's, sure. it's, it's yeah. just yes. a general yeah, yeah. general rule. And uh, well, and it also kind of flips it on its head because a lot of times in that scenario, the youngest is the baby and they're pampered, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, Mirabelle doesn't really get that. Kind <laughs> she of does treatment. not. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then Isabel gets that just exists as that yeah <laughs> uh yeah so i i gave performance a nine and i really thought that mirabelle and isabella kind of owned the show even more so even than the abuela interactions mm-hmm. honestly for the most part just because isabella's swaps from the mean girl to a, a, a caring sister, sister yeah, yeah. Or even just the bit where she drops in the middle of where everyone's thinking bad about Bruno and Isabella is just, he told me that my life would be perfect. And, and she was like, yeah, of course. All right. Yeah. You're just going to drop right in. It's like, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Everyone else is getting along by talking crap well, about the, Bruno. The best part too on that scene is you can see Mirabelle in the background just scowling. Yeah. Her face <laughs> just, oh. But I, I really thought the two of them uh, were were far and above. Mm-hmm. everyone else and there's there's no negative performance here there's no one who is just like, oh it's kind of weak yeah you know uh well even bruno uh john leguizama did a fantastic job oh, of yeah. being like the kind of like the quirky brother socially awkward socially he's, awkward he's, how how long have you been back here <laughs> okay we need to get you out I like i mean because he's he's comparable age to the other the, two the, her mom and uh peppa Pe- peppa yeah so and i lauren and i also looked up the ages so they're all roughly around 50 mm-hmm so he's been in the walls since, since Mirabelle's gift ceremony failed, basically. Yeah. yeah well, before. No. no. No, it was it was when it failed. Yeah, when after. Because okay. that's when he went and did the viewing of her, like, why? Because oh, why? For, yeah, 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 yeah. for Abuela. And then the, the aftershocks of that drive him in. So he, I guess he's been in there for 10 years, years, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a long time to be by yourself. <laughs> That is a very long but time. But he, he does a great job He's of- got the rats. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> rats along his back. The rats performance was great. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Mars. I mean, you know, if we're going to go into that, we got we to gotta shout out Alan Tudyk as a toucan. Yeah. Because <laughs> toucan of 
disappointment. Yep. <laughs> quitter, quitter. <laughs> I do like how they poked fun at that. That's for plot or whatever, but they poked fun of the Disney show. Oh, I have a magical friend to accompany you. Yep. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> just immediately gone. But I mean, just across the board, everyone, I, you know, uh, Luisa's actress, mm-hmm. uh, Jessica Darrow. She, she actually hasn't done a lot. Um, I didn't, I didn't go in and look at anyone's filmography. Yeah. That's the right word. Yeah. That's the right word. Uh, but her, her vocal range, because Abuela, at least that actress had a singer who took her part. Nobody else did. Yeah. And Luisa's normal speaking voice is kind of that husky deep mm-hmm. because I mean, she's, she's a big girl. And then when they break into song, she has a couple months where she gets pretty high. Yeah. yeah. Like this is, this is some pretty hefty range in a, you know, vocal cords. Yeah. And the cats are chasing each other upstairs. Okay. <laughs> we'll be fine. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I. Obviously, I gave it a nine. There's yeah. almost nothing negative to say, really. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, that you know, you talking about Louisa kind of is a good little segue to go into the score, the score. of the score. Oh, yeah. So we're going to talk about some music. Let's see. Yep. Who hasn't gone first? Me. Andrew, yep. I haven't gone first. Well, let's hear it. <laughs> uh, I gave. Sorry, cats are running all around gall- above us. <laughs> galloping. Um, but so I gave the score a nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, the. Uh, I, you know, I've already kind of talked about what else can I do, which is my personal favorite song out of mm-hmm. the whole, the whole We should movie. Like each take a song. Maybe. I don't know. There's four songs. Crap. That doesn't work. Well, I mean, there, we, we, we may have to, there's actually, the cuffs. there's actually <laughs> six songs. Um, or four main songs. Four main songs. But uh, what else can I do is fantastic. But, uh, you know, the pressure song was, was great. And Louisa is an alto and you don't really get to see altos be like the, the main focus of a mm-hmm. song it's all about it's, the soprano right yeah yeah so it's always you know but altos are the backbone of a choir and this is very much so luisa's character as well yeah well yeah, yeah no exactly it and it like the there's so many little allegories with that kind of like just archetype for for that kind of character and they fit it so well into that song mm-hmm. that it was just ah, it was just so good uh, the two, so I, I gave it a nine, but they're the two things that I didn't really track well with me from the film was essentially the exposition song, which is a, kind of like a, a mainstay for every every musical. You need to have some kind of song to explain how the world works. Right. Here's Belle singing her same song, yeah. mean song about us every day. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and like, um, so like if you go to Hercules, you have the the muses mm-hmm. singing about the Greek mythology, mm-hmm. essentially, of, of kind of how the world works and, you know, whatever. And uh, this one was, it felt a little ham-handed mm-hmm. where, like, you have the kids that are asking Mirabelle all these questions. And in my mind, like, you would think that these kids, if they were that excited about this, and I understand it's like, it, it is the they're gifting hyped, They're day. hyped up on they're coffee. Hyped, yeah. Hyped well, up, one, hyped, one of them is. Uh, hyped up on gifting day yeah, uh, yeah, is kind of the thing. So they're asking her, they're all excited about it. And they're they're using that as essentially the exposition mm-hmm. for the song and it it felt a little forced to where on the first viewing it it was so much information that was kind of thrown at you that if it, it made the cast seem way bigger than it actually is yeah and uh it, it felt a little confusing because there's just so much kind of coming at you especially with all the movement and the colors yeah. and this is your first introduction into mirabelle as a character as well i mean yeah. it's actually a little intimidating it is how much they drop on you it is, in it is the span of a song it yeah. is a lot of exposition and i am going to defend it a little bit because it 
using the the three kids there kind mm-hmm. of harkens back to uh, Shakespearean theatrical techniques of using a chorus right mm-hmm. as a stand-in for the audience to yeah tell tell not only tell the audience what to feel but also relay information to the audience. So like there there is precedent for this kind of technique. Uh, but I absolutely agree that it was just a fire hose. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> um, it is very difficult to feel like you understood more than when you began the song. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the it, they kind of make fun of it too in the middle of the song where she gets done talking about all like I'll say like the older um, like the parents and her older sisters, and then the kids are like, "But wait." There's more. Yeah. What are all the grandkids? And she was like, oh, yeah, we have to talk about the grandkids. Yeah, and talk then, about my cousins. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, then they then they go through that. Um, the only other thing that I that her uh, Mirabelle's Want song, which is the song that you guys mentioned earlier, where she uh, kind of stops time mm-hmm. and is going through the photograph and going down the stairs and everything. I, that one just didn't really do it for me. Uh, I don't know if it was just the lyrics or the the, the tempo of the song, but. Uh, that one it felt a little flat i I don't i really have any other it was most of the other songs had a a distinct vibe or feel to -hmm. them that that kind of made them they kind of wove together like a tapestry right like they were they were they were different from one another but you could tell that they belonged together and this one felt different than the rest it kind of felt more generic disney this is almost yeah. like it's storytelling and the character who has been singled out and different from the family has a different song. The, the, which is totally you, fine. Ooh, you could say ooh. that, but it also wasn't interesting. <laughs> oh, well, I, I see. Okay. I disagree. I actually really like the song because that for me was the song that was the biggest emotional touchstone. Mm-hmm. And maybe it wasn't the most entertaining song, but it was the biggest, uh, you know, drive straight into your heart. Well, in song moment. A, a, I mean, every every character in a musical has to have a want song mm. for so, a main character. So I think this is really interesting. Um, I think perhaps we could make some sort of study of our personalities based on which of the characters and their own specific issues that we most identified with. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! Uh, I, I mean, let's break out the therapist, right? Yeah, because I'm, you you were like, I I really love the the oldest sister's song, and that was my favorite. And I just like when I went for it the first time, I was like, meh, that's fine. But <laughs> but for me, and I'm going to go ahead and rest control of go this conversation. Yeah, get a score. In there. I gave it an eight. Okay, um, overall, very very high marks. I thought that the standout pieces were, of course, the the Bruno song, which is which, great, which is is top of the charts. Off like wildfire, yeah. it is higher than Let It Go, which is uh, well, quite a feat. It well, is. It's, it's it's knocking down records set by Let It Go, which again is one of those things where it was like, yeah, how, how fast it got there, mm-hmm. and now it's a well, question of does it stay? Because that was yeah. the other big mark that, Let yeah. It Go well, set. but it has it has um, crested over. Um, let it goes like maximum highest point yeah highest right. point uh but my my personal favorite song out of the whole thing was surface pressure which mm-hmm. was louisa's song and that one i thought had um one it it resonated with me because her character resonated with me the most out of out of the the cast and uh also you can live churches not and they it, stay together metaphorically <laughs> metaphorically <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What else floats? Churches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also I thought that the composition um was was at the at the same time empathic. You know, it really, it really 
embodied the words that were being mm-hmm. sung, but also was really snappy and peppy and exciting mm-hmm. and, and fun it, to listen it's to. It's a fantastic song. And it's yeah. like, it's like, like I said, I really like Isabella's song, but like surface pressure is like right there. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'll, 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 I guess I'll jump in. Y'all both stopped and stared at me. So well, I guess it's my <laughs> turn to talk. So I gave score a nine. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the musical songs were pretty much, they knocked it out of the park. Uh, I can also ding the opening song for just, I don't need this much exposition in a song. <laughs> you, can, you can take some of this out of the song and just show it's, it to me in the story. It's a fire hose of yeah, just I just information. Don't, I don't need to be sprayed against the wall by this. <laughs> uh, my actual favorite song was was not Mirabelle's Want Song, although mm-hmm. I did like it. It is Louisa's okay. Surface Pressure because, uh, well, for one, because when we had this moment based on what was happening in the plot and we'll get there, I had a fear of, oh, no, please don't tell me the song is going to be about this and not, and, and we're going to devolve into a basic, kind of basic story. Mm-hmm. And then her song starts, oh, thank God. Yeah, okay, it's, it's we just have, about her and we have, her we feelings. Have, we have some depth here of who she is as a person, how she views her life, how she the the pressure she's under mm-hmm. and how well she contains it and deals with it as the strongest person, you know, the uh superman with feelings, right? Yeah. You know, what what do I do? What happens when I can't save everyone? What happens when I can't fix everything? Cuz you do kind of see the town just relies on her presence mm-hmm. and they're kind of useless. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the donkeys are free again. Go get them, you dummy. <laughs> but she's there. She takes care of everything. She handles all the stuff. And, you know, the song really perfectly displays that of, you know, well, what hap- who am I if I can't? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. you know, the, the fear in, that's tangible in there of, well, yes, I have a gift and Mirabelle doesn't. But what happens when I don't have a gift? Who am I? Like Mirabelle is at least a somewhat defined person without it. Right. She knows mm-hmm. who she wants to be, at least maybe not who she can be. Whereas for she, some of the other members of the families, the risk is what happens when my gift isn't there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, well, and, and, you know, Louisa specifically, she is such an integral part to the function of the town. Mm-hmm. And the if she loses her ability to help them, you know, obviously, like that's a very important part of her character. And, you know, her looking at it from from an introspective perspective, you know, of like if I don't have this, like I'm not worth anything to these mm-hmm. one to these people, but then two to me because I can't help them. Yeah. And that's literally what my entire life has been is helping these people. Yeah. Right. So and then I get to drop in my my little dollop of found knowledge, because whenever you have a kind of movie like this where you have you know, it's it's Spanish, but it's presented to an English audience, there are always little games that can be played with names. Mm-hmm. And they had to exist somewhere. And I went looking. I didn't find any. And then when I was watching a video, I found it because someone put it in the comments. And I was like, ooh, I don't know if I can trust that. We'll go look it up. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can trust that. That is accurate. That is something that, that was familiar. So La Familia Madrigal, right? Mm-hmm. That is their name. Well, Madrigal is a type of choral or choir or song where the parts are woven together. So every different singer has their own part. And... When you hit, we don't talk about Bruno. That is what they do. Yeah, whenever they're over for like the, 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 the second half of the piece, right? Yeah, yeah towards, yeah, towards the, the crescendo room, of it, dining right. room table. And you have that moment because it can be. And, and on first watching for me, I would have probably dinged the song because it was almost a little too much going on. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of voices at that point in the song because up to that point, it's pretty clear. And you know, the same issue with the exposition; it starts out clear and then it kind of just becomes a mess. Uh, whereas like Louisa's song and Isabella's song is very clear 
what's being said, who's mm-hmm. saying it, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But having that moment and and weaving that into with the name of it, where when they are talking about Bruno, the family is united and in concert with each other, literally, mm-hmm. uh, was a really cool effect, especially with doing it through song. Um, you know, obviously, like you said, we don't talk about Bruno is you know blowing up charts, setting records, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other, you know, Isabella's song, Luisa's song, they could both be up there. They're really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wouldn't be fair to talk about all these musical numbers without talking about essentially Abuela's song, which is just a, basically an instrumental Spanish song that um, she does not sing. It is just basically kind of a, her back um, background that mm-hmm. Mirabel can kind of watch mm-hmm. um, for the most part and experience. And that is that basically kind of punctuated a lot of the mm-hmm. the emotions and the reconciliation that. I mean, like they didn't really have to explain it, even though they kind of did. It's still a Disney Disney film, mm-hmm. but if they didn't like basically after the song, if they didn't say any words, it still would have been just as strong. With um, just because it had this really beautiful Spanish song that that kind of like just kept the scene going with a really good emotional crescendo. I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, that that that's another good point. We all gave really high scores, and it's not just the musical numbers, mm-hmm. the background music was there when it needed to be yeah. there to, to punctuate and to help carry emotion, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I, I would say the name of the, of the song, but I, cause I have it written down, but I have no idea how to pronounce it and I don't want to ruin it. So. Yeah. Well, now I just want to know what it's called. I mean, you can look it up, butcher it. No. <laughs> um, okay. So spell it. You, you, spell it. you can look <laughs> it up. Insert it manually. You, you have a phone. You have the computer in your hand. You can go look it up. I can. Uh, but we're going to move on to the plot. Oh, Andrew is taking control here. Look at you. I'm, I'm just up. trying to deflect. I know. I know you are. I'm trying to get my phone out so I can look this up. Uh, well, I'm going to hand off the plot to somebody else while I look Okay. Well, I'll, I'll yeah. take the plot. So I gave, you know, we, we talked about the plot is the easiest thing to punch holes in, right? Always. So I, I gave this plot a seven. Okay. Um, and I want to start with the, the main negative, uh, which I felt like was a pretty large negative. Um, and then talk about some other stuff that was really great because there was a lot of really great stuff in here. And that main negative being the fact that Dolores exists <laughs> yeah oh thank you yes that, yeah. that was my um, so one main like the the core reason for the rising tension between uh, mirabel and abuela during you know the 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 second act of the the film mm-hmm. is because dolores overhears what mirabel discovered in, in bruno's, bruno's tower yeah and she can't keep her mouth shut. She mm-hmm. has to tell people. And that scene at the table is absolutely oh, hilarious. Oh, it's so Fantastic. good. It's so because funny. you've got just this incredible expression of Mirabelle staring across the table at Dolores saying, <laughs> you, better not, tell, you better not tell. You better not tell. And then and then as people hand dishes across and break the eye contact, <laughs> to, and then she gets sees Dolores talking to the next person yeah. in line, and then something else comes by, and she sees them talking to the next person in line, right? And so that was a great scene. But at the end of the film, we have Dolores revealing that she knew where Bruno was the entire time, which she had to because she has super hearing. And she can hear everything. But the whole plot relied on the fact that she can't keep a secret. And yet she kept that secret. Well, okay. So 
there there is a a slight possibility that she could have just thought it was rats in the walls. No, she, she associated says, him with the sound she, of falling sand and rats. She, she says, knows it's him. She says she knew he was yeah, there. No, he was there the whole time. Well, okay, yeah. So because I watched the movie again today, <laughs> and when it got to that point, I was like, pause, go back, watch it again, yeah. pause, and I just wanted to make sure that I I was like reading it right because that that's pretty much what I knocked it yeah. for was the fact that she could hear everything, but how could you like for the past eight years? not notice another person in the house that is not technically supposed to be there. Yeah. Literally living in the walls. Yes. So, but that was really the only main thing that I knocked it for. Yeah. Um, other than that, just the, the elements, that was three points worth. That was, it was big. I mean, it, it was, big. it That's wasn't, it really wasn't big. everyone became illiterate. No, thing, no, <laughs> but it, it, it was. <laughs> That's a reference to our Atlantis episode. Just and I, and I knocked that a happen. lot more. Oh, yeah. We all did. Yes. Um, but the the fact that the the that was the catalyst for the rising uh, tension in the conflict mm-hmm. through the center part of the story, and that got undermined at the end. If it if it had been used elsewhere in not as critical a place, I would have deducted less for it. Well, okay, but so here's the question: Would her telling people that Bruno was there would that have made a difference at all? Yeah. yeah. Well, but how can you tell people about Bruno? We don't talk about Bruno. Abuela's only rule, basically, is we is don't talk about Bruno. we don't talk about Bruno. So maybe every time she tried to bring it up, then she gets you know, shot she down. Just got shot you know what? You know what? You can rationalize basically anything you want to, but if it's not in the film, or it's hey, not in the hey, book, or not in the whatever, in the film. <laughs> hey, it's okay. <laughs> when we get over to me on the plot, we're gonna rationalize picking up a whole church and it's sticking together. <laughs> <laughs> that okay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, magic. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> We're gonna rationalize it. Okay, I didn't well, say I was gonna debunk it. I was gonna rationalize. Okay, what are some it? of the good things that you some of the like? some of the fantastic things is <laughs> he said good, not fantastic. Say something for us. <laughs> um, is the 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 depth and care that they put into the effects that the constant expectation to perform had on mm-hmm. particularly the the youngest generation and how. Their entire, literally the youngest generation, and how their entire identities were completely wrapped up in not only what they could do for the town, but what they could do for the family. Mm -hmm. And so you have uh, Luisa, who is completely, just absolutely paranoid that if she can't do more than everyone else, then she's nothing. It's not that she's just a little, maybe a little less. She's, she is literally nothing if she can't do everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, you, you have the oldest sister who has to be perfect and doesn't want to be, but can't not be. Right. And, and the, the way that, that, that kind of distortion on the gifts that they have received, not only negatively reflects on their self-image, but negatively reflects on their ability to have loving relationships with their own family members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I gave plot a nine. Ooh, and we got, a, we got a bit of a swing there. Well, no, I mean, it's, 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 it feels bigger than it really is because Joel was seven, seven. Yeah. yeah. It's not that big, but, but it still feels like it kind of, kind of piggybacking off of what Joel was talking about. Uh, the amount of emphasis that they put on the expectations, but then also the disappointment for for not being able to live up to those expectations, mm-hmm. especially from Abuela, which is, you know, it's a multi-generational home. 
and she is the matriarch. She yeah. is the one that that runs everything. She makes sure that, you, uh, kind of like you know, a taskmaster for for less less term. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everyone wants to be, you know, worth her. Like you know, like she mm-hmm. wants. Everyone wants to be get her praise. I mean, essentially. it's a it's a really traditional family. She mm-hmm. goes to the other family's house, not not Isabella, not. Mariana or whatever his name is, they don't get together about the engagement. Abuela goes to the family's house yep. to negotiate the engagement. Mm-hmm. And Isabella is going along with it because she's she wants to do for her family. She doesn't care about the guy. Yeah. Well, and 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 she doesn't want to she has to be perfect. And mm-hmm. Abuela's vision of perfect is you have to get married to this guy. This guy. Because he's perfect. Because he's, you know, because he's perfect or, you know, whatever. And the looks, the, the, the bod, the voice, <laughs> <laughs> the the way that they portray that throughout the film, uh, especially with Mirabelle at the beginning, where like clearly Abuela does not look kindly on her because she doesn't have a gift. She mm-hmm. she was the failure. Well, and you have to remember that at that point of our introduction, where Mir- Mirabelle is fifteen. Mm-hmm. Abuela knows the visions there of, well, is she the cause of the crack? Yeah. Or can she fix it? Like she knows that this, this could be the problem, right? Yeah. So there is kind of that, that harshness and pressure put on of, well, is just your very presence the problem? Mm-hmm. We don't know. And or she doesn't know. Yeah. And, and, and then Abuela also has the, the, the pride of being essentially the savior of this town mm-hmm. to make sure that her family is always, you know, as perfect as it possibly can mm-hmm. be. To make sure that the town doesn't go wrong because everyone's relying on them. And, uh, you know, it really leads to just so many emotional moments towards the end of the film, especially whenever she is, you know, out in the river and, you know, they're, they're kind of like experiencing this, this vision of her past together. And uh, it's, just, man, it's just so emotional. Yeah. Wow. And really, really to piggyback on that, the when when they bring it all back together and they have this reconciliation mm-hmm. at the river. It's 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 twofold. It's it's really fantastic because it shows that the reconciliation doesn't happen until Abuela recognizes what she's done. Yeah, she she is the first one to take action and say, I have done this to our family. Mm -hmm. And but then it doesn't stop there because it's not like she is prideful in vain. Right. Yeah. And and Mirabelle validates her and says you we are here because of you you built our family yeah right and so it is it is mutually uplifting and mutually validating um and it's just a fantastic picture of reconciliation yeah steven well i gave the plot actually wait hold on before i give my score i have some holes to punch in it we're not driving the illiterate train through here but it's you know there are some problems (laughs) Uh, so I ended up giving it an eight, mm-hmm. which is still pretty good. So pretty much nine, nine, eight, yeah, we, seven. We hit right in it, yeah. Uh, because ultimately, when you have magic, it can be really hard to punch holes in the plot, except for super hearing. <laughs> <laughs> because we don't just have the whole Bruno issue. We also have the moment where Mirabelle, after the, she sees the cracks, the family tells her it's not happening because it's not happening. She might they doubt her. They kind of belittle her. Oh, you're just trying to take the spotlight, yada, yada. You know, late at night, she gets up and she goes up to the window where the candle is, that is Abuela's bedroom. And before she can do anything rash, 
<laughs> Abuela is at the window and she is praying to her dead husband. You know, cracks in our house, you know, guide me at this moment, blah, 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 blah. There is, she's acknowledging that there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the only person she's acknowledging it to is Mirabelle. And Dolores. And Dolores. Because Dolores doesn't get a choice in the matter. <laughs> well, I mean, you could you could argue with that because she's in her room. No. She can tune it all out. No, no, you can't argue that because the whole reason Mirabelle talks to Louisa is because Mira, or Dolores tells her, oh, Louisa's eye is twitching. I was listening to it all night. Ah. Uh, you can't, because mm-hmm. I was actually prepared to be like, okay, well, she has to like, she switches off. No, no she was listening to something else. I'm like, you don't get a choice. You hear everything. <laughs> I mean, unless it's just like she has like a, a cone and she directs it in a specific direction. <laughs> well, that's to, not how it's presented. To, to have that kind of, I mean, like just going completely off base here, to have that kind of power anyway. It kills you. It, I mean, yeah, you just die. Because you can't sleep. Because no one can sleep when the marching band is next door. But what <laughs> if the surrounding 30 blocks, everything is a marching band? Yeah. You just die. Yeah. No, it's it, <laughs> it's a problematic Ability, uh, uh, just yeah, like not even just for the the story itself, just in, just general, in general. Yeah, like, taken out to its extreme, there are a lot of problems. So, yeah. of all the magic, that's the easiest one to punch holes in because, hey, your ability it, just says that you well, should and, know Bruno is here and you should know there are problems. What? Why are you such a slacker for this family? <laughs> well, and you know it it does lead to some funny, you know, some funny jokes, especially oh, yeah. you know whenever like for the um, the dining room scene, whenever you know they're they're trying to have dinner and like, she's trying not to tell, <laughs> the, you know, so it's, it's so funny, and you know that kind of stuff is is totally worth it. But you know when you you squint at it a little bit, then it gets yeah, a little, no, yeah, I mean I, the the interaction between Mirabelle and her father, where she's trying to hide the vision, which also <laughs> the vision's becoming solid. I get it. You really go find the vision. How do I find a vision? Oh, it's just a piece of glass that's been shattered oh okay i you needed it well he made it out of sand well i mean that's what he does he's a yeah. swirling sand uh, but you needed a because from my perspective oh we'll find a vision go to a mountain and have some peyote or like what uh peyote. any peyote whatever <laughs> anyways uh that scene where she's trying to hide the vision from her father and then the house helps as well which is a great yeah you know, it's like it's okay it's going to be okay no one has no one has to know. And Casita opens the door and it's kind of like, hey guys, there's a problem. And Dolores is like <laughs> all the way across the way, like, hmm, yeah, I've got a secret. <laughs> and there's like, oh, we are so dear. Like, like in terms of plot and just visual storytelling and entertainment, that is just high. Oh, yeah, it's just so funny. Yeah. Uh just just really great stuff. But you know, the again, Dolores hearing is is an issue. Uh, what else? I had another Say, say good things. Oh, do I have to say good things? Okay. I did say good things. We're just talking about how... No, no, no. I'm not saying good things. I have I have a sin. I have a sin for this movie. And this is a pet peeve of mine. Don't tell me the name of the movie in the movie early or late. It did it both. I know. <laughs> if, if, it's, if it just is built into regular conversation... Just somewhere midway through, fine, I accept it. But when you are in the middle of a massive ten-minute run to start the movie, that is just exposition, exposition, song. This exposition, don't drop that in there. And then also, yeah, don't climax it by by you know confirming, oh, we are in our encanto, or oh, we have found this land. Like, no, stop, please. Just any other word, <laughs> anything, please. It doesn't bother me. It's 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 a pet peeve. It's just like it's not a true problem, but it's always going to stick in my throat. Just that little extra bit. 
it bothers me more in films like um uh like there's like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies or something where it's like oh this is total recall oh yeah no, yeah <laughs> you know like that kind of stuff where it's like so ham-handed like this actually felt pretty natural I mean it does I mean it's it is a word because I mean yeah it's just enchantment yeah yeah so uh, but also you know I really like the descriptions like when because so oh gosh don't hit the mic own personal theories right because mm-hmm. we don't get a whole lot of explanation of the magic is this is the result of their abuelos sacrifice and abuela's suffering at the mm-hmm. river as a result of the sacrifice because we see as the house cracks and again personal theory the house is him his yeah. portrait's on the wall right and the cracks always go straight through the wall behind that portrait both times we see the really big cracks happen mm-hmm. that is one of the main scenes that we get and it's kind of the the breaking of the family because what made the family happen is the love and the sacrifices they make for each other yeah and that is what creates the magic. So when you have selfishness, a lack of love, a lack of giving for each other, not just giving for the town, but giving for each other, that's where it fails. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought it interesting that they didn't, they, while they showed enough for me to support that theory, they didn't really explicitly give it to us because it's a soft system at the yeah. end of the day. So, so at the beginning of the film, you know, they have the, them escaping over the river and, and, right. and him dying and, and her getting the candle mm-hmm. at that point. And I, I said out loud, my first watch through at that point, that candle's a Horcrux. Yes. And, <laughs> yes. and I, nothing in the film disabused me of that well, theory. <laughs> well, so, so Abuela prays to her husband, right? At the, at the window. Yeah. And then when she finds Mirabelle by the river, she says, I prayed to my Pedro and he led me to you. Mm-hmm. And then we have a magical butterfly landing on the reed completing the vision and, and giving mirabelle the clue of of like solving and it's like this is all him working yeah. mm-hmm. uh and something to note too uh it was the thousand days war um which uh, yeah, matches up historical. with the with the time of when they would they would have been um disenfranchised from their home right yeah which was kind of i don't know i don't want to say it was weird it's interesting that they really, really did a good job of nailing down. This is Colombia. We have, you know, mm. a, a really strong roots Colombian cast. We have the music that's authentic. Yeah, they did a great job of really nailing down where this was. And in some sense, just because it was his own little magical enclosure valley, we didn't actually need any of it. It was extra effort, right? Mm. Yeah. Well, and you know, they they don't specifically say that, but just um, uh, I think a lot of internet sleuths kind of went through and. And looked at the the garb that they're wearing during the film, mm-hmm. and then they kind of dated that to like the 1950s, and then they they backtracked it to whenever Abuela would be younger, uh, which would because they're all around 50 years old for right. the for the moms, which is pretty much right at Thousand Days War. Okay, and they did slappy with the Columbia uh, right in the middle of the massive exposition dump. Yeah, I don't know if y'all caught she like Mirabelle while she's singing dances past a house that just has. Columbia. It was, there was so much going on. That's that. true. No, no, I, I, I caught up the second watch. I didn't know that it was set into, in Colombia until it got to the, the end. And I was looking at the subtitles for the Spanish song that they were singing at oh. the end. It was like, oh, Colombia, oh, Colombia. I, oh, I bet this oh, is in like Colombia. It must be. <laughs> I have, with my superior intellect. I so, <laughs> well, so I, I knew going into it just because we watched like the behind the scenes of them right, making yeah. the, mm. thing, the, uh, the music for it. So, yeah. So, yeah, my, and again, you know, my big, biggest complaint, you know, it's a Disney song or Disney song, Disney movie. It was a lot of songs. It was just, I, I actually, while Laura and I were doing our second watch through to kind of prep for this, I actually was, was, 
was holding the remote in my hand and, and dipping it down so I could see time marks as the part. I was like, at what point does this story stop being exposition and become story? <laughs> I was like, oh, like 10 minutes and 30 seconds. Okay, thanks. That's all I need to know because <laughs> it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot of information. Um, okay, so I, I think that, that pretty much handles we all, all got, of the all plot. plot yeah. um, so let's move on to originality. Uh, and we can gush on the film a little bit more than. Oh, yeah. You know. mm-hmm. uh, so I gave it a nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it, this is probably one of the. Uh, Joel, you kind of said they've, they've tried to do like kind of like the non villain um, mm-hmm. roles before, but mm-hmm. then you've never really I'm trying to think of any other Disney films that they've done that were like multi generational families kind of like this, where like I don't, I don't oh, really think there's. Certainly, all, certainly not recently. Yeah. Oh, 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 well, not recently. I got, I got one for you where there is no villain. And it is not multi-generation, but is a generational conflict. Where? What? Goofy Who? movie. When? <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. It is, though. It is. Don't fight me on this. It um, is. But yeah, like, uh, honestly, the movie was just, it, it felt very fresh. It, mm-hmm. it was very just emotional. It was so much fun to watch. And I really, really, really like so many of the songs for the film. And it's it's really interesting, too. Like, I, whenever I think of like Mulan, I always think of it. There's a lot of music in it. There's only four songs in the entire film. Yeah. And if this one feels so like jam packed with music in it, mm-hmm. just because, you know, cause they have like the, the two songs at the beginning, then they have uh, essentially four songs in the center. Then they have the little insert song with Abuela and the, um, the flashback. Uh, then they have like the kind of the exit song um, where they're rebuilding the house and everything and on top of like all the other background music that's just kind of there to punctuate other scenes when they're not doing a musical number. Yeah. And I mean, it was just great. I, I loved watching it, especially the second time I, I felt I got a lot more out of it than I did the first time watching it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to grab that and I'm going to say nine's not enough. I'm giving this a 10. I thought that this was a, a really fantastic kind of showcase of taking elements of different cultures and mm. telling stories that not only are fantastic stories, but also honor those cultures. Yeah. I, you know, Disney has been on, on a tour recently that just did Moana before this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you mentioned Mulan mm-hmm. going back to that. And that is, that is an example of, it's a really fantastic animated film and I love watching it, but it is not something that jives with the culture that it ostensibly comes Correct. from. Yeah, it's, it's, it feels very Western. And so to have this, this new approach to telling stories that are based in other cultures that also are appreciated by people from those cultures mm-hmm. is like that, th- that's the right way to do it. it. And it feels very genuine yeah. and, and yes. has a lot of heart to it. Uh, and it was the same way with Moana. Uh, but this one, like it, it, like it just has so much like tactile feel to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, I'm giving it a nine. I mean, it's well done. It's very tightly put together. The the stakes of the emotions of the fact that it's the small scale family interactions is just great. Mm-hmm. And you just don't get that very often. You know, we live in a world where we get a lot of Marvel, where everything has to end in a huge CGI fight fest. And that's just not what this is. Yeah. yeah. It is literally just how do you make, create, maintain heal and repair relationships over time. And I, you know, the, some bits and pieces could be maybe a little trite or whatever. We've seen it, you know, the whole, Oh, we helped the town our whole time. And at the end it's the town that helps them thing. Yeah. 
it's it's nice to see in a plot. If it wasn't there, the plot would feel kind of hollow, but it's still, it has been done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give them huge points. I don't actually think I've even touched on it, but my whole fear of Louisa's song when she had her Twitch, because it's right after the engagement gets announced, and it's like, uh, don't tell me that like she's worried she'll never get married. Like, don't give me something like this. Like, come on, you know, be yeah. mm-hmm. be this. And it's like, okay, no, she has other big internal concerns about herself. And I was like, okay, that's so much more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the just the amount of um, how they kind of illustrated uh, just just normal feelings that mm-hmm. a lot of Disney films don't really like touch on, especially like the older ones where it's it's always more of like a fairy tale where I really enjoy that they're giving characters, uh, say, like, real-world problems mm-hmm. of, like, anxiety, depression, um, the, the, uh, pressure, the, the pressure of expectations of yeah. what, you know, how you're supposed to act or how you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to perform. Uh, and, it, you know, it really hits home. Yeah. Well, a, a lot of these types of movies, right, the, the fantasy, the animated, mm-hmm. the, they evoke emotions in you, right? Yeah. This, the characters have... The emotion yeah and you are you are pulled along with them and you're on that ride with them but it's not so much that it's trying to just press emotions out to you it's that you're genuinely concerned for the emotions of these characters yeah and i think that's a very interesting well because i mean yeah because you know i mean you know what it's like yeah like i mean yeah, it's, it's just very real yeah, yeah. So, huge huge props obviously uh all three of us really enjoyed it yeah uh, mm-hmm. highly recommend very accessible disney plus easy to just you know grab on a stream and watch mm-hmm. Uh, But I think that that is going to wrap us up for this episode. So until next time, I'm Stephen. I'm Andrew. And I'm Joel. And every spoiler was intended. Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard, you can support the show for as low as $1 at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. We also have a discord server and would love to have more people joining in the conversation. Links are in the description below. Thank you.